This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I can't quite decide which media moment I've enjoyed more. Where Nick Bosa this week at the Super Bowl was asked, what do you think about the Kansas City offensive line? And his answer was, they hold a lot. Next question, that was the Nick Bosa answer. Or the reminder that we got this week that there used to be a uh, reporter slash comedian who would show up every year to media night, would walk around asking the two Super Bowl teams, ask all the players, do you consider this a must-win game? That's I thought it was pretty I, funny. When you talk about media day, Paul, it's funny because, I, and I was just about to bring this up before we started. Have you ever seen the picture of Joe Namath before Super Bowl three, where he's doing media while he's sitting poolside in his bathing suit? And there's am, like yes. there's like eight reporters it's around. Just a, him he's and, on the lounge chair, right? Yeah, by the pool. And it just when you think about what media day is now, it's right. crazy. In fact, here's the number. 6,000 media members from 26 countries are credentialed for Super Bowl 58. 26 countries? As somebody who covered a number of Super Bowls in my previous uh, reporting life, I'm just going to say it for the record. It's way, way harder to get a credential for Mark Dalton and the Arizona Cardinals than it is to get a credential for the Super Bowl. <laughs> really? Oh, my Come God. On. The people that they allow go to the Super Bowl are crazy. Well, one of us is going to the Super Bowl, but just for the weekend, just for the experience. Right, Danny? Who are we looking at? Not me. I don't uh, know anything about That would be me, it. yes, going to Vegas for I'm not surpassing the 48 hours, just going to network, see some colleagues, some uh, friends. Mm-hmm. Party. Gotcha. No, she said network. No. Network. 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 Be asleep okay. by 10 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Cardinals Underground, Danny Sarek with weekend plans. Uh, me, uh, they're still pending, meaning I'll be uh, at home with the L on my forehead watching the game. Darren, uh, I'd ask what your weekend plans are for the Super Bowl, but that's preempted by the fact that you have something to get off oh, your chest, yes. apparently. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I already forgot about it. Everybody, this is my this will be the last time I address this. Super Bowl is two words. <laughs> It's two words. That's your rant. That's my. I, I. Why can't we get this straight in this country? So that's your public service announcement. It's two words. Okay. The number of times I see Super Bowl as one word is just so frustrating. Well, there's people from 26 different countries, Darren. You know, there might be a language barrier here or there. I mean, there Come might. On, yeah, but when, when there's I'm, a learning curve. When I'm, when I'm getting emails and or comments and or mailbag questions from people that i assume are big football fans and they make it one word maybe they make it one word so they don't want to have a copyright infringement of some sort and get sued you know (laughs) maybe they should maybe everyone should just go with the big game that's a good point yeah what is what is a must-have for you to eat while watching the super bowl oh oh that's easy 
What is it? Guacamole. Oh, guacamole oh. is a good one. Come on. You got got to have the guac. I don't know. I don't know what... I, I don't really... I haven't thought that much about it. There was a stretch in there where I was actually at the Super Bowls. Like last year, we were there. Were you there last year? I was not. I was there. And so I was having a cold I, hot dog. I, I, that would not make my list of things I want to No, I can understand that. Bowl. Nobody cares if we're going to be there. The only question is, will Taylor Swift be there? And with that being the segue, I have to work in that. Did you see the latest in Taylor Swift news you can use? It has been estimated by marketing data companies that she has provided a, um, an extra brand value boost of about $350 million it's crazy. to the NFL since she started attending Chiefs games in September. That's based on all the different platforms. That's crazy. TV internet, every social media. Because realize, the NFL has 27 million or so followers on Instagram. She has 279 million followers on Instagram. It's by a factor of 10. Look, we've we've talked about this before. I don't have a problem with showing her for a total of 20 or 25 seconds in a suite with a bunch of people in a game. That's not uncommon to show family members. And the reality is that she's a huge pop star. I think if you're going to have some global phenomenon be dating one of the bigger personalities, bigger players in the NFL. It's probably a pretty good role model and example as somebody who seems like she kind of stays in the background, doesn't make it about her, right? She's not popping up in all these camera shots you could see on the field after the Chiefs won the AFC Championship. She was kind of taking a step back so Travis Kelsey could celebrate with his brother and his family and do what he needed to do. I've seen online that she leaves pretty generous tips for people who are working in the suite or elevator attendants and doing things of that nature. And I think in general, look, I'm not a huge Swifty. I know, I guess, the big songs and then just seeing online and also sitting next to our team photographer who is a big Swifty and learning True. a lot about Taylor Swift from our very own Caitlin Epps. She seems to be somebody who pays her workers a living wage and, and does all these good things. So I, I think if you're going to have a pop star be relevant in the NFL as a fan, as a girlfriend of one of the players, I mean, that's probably one of the better options you could have. I'm excited for the new album, Paul. <laughs> I, oh, that's I, I, right. I think, Announced I, at the Grammys. I think she's doing cover the Super Bowl shuffle on there, so that'll be exciting. That, that was some great marketing, by the way, where she used her acceptance speech for her first award at the Grammys to announce her next album. You don't get that's 279 well done. million followers without having well, some savvy right there. It's funny because a Radio Row Boomer Esiason who happens to work for CBS, who happens to be broadcasting the Super Bowl, let it be known that he thinks, wait, actually his quote was, I think it's my guess. And then oh, he went into Jesus. elaborate detail about how Team Taylor, her business handlers, are telling the NFL, if you want Taylor at the Super Bowl, guess what? You really need to pay for the private jet service to make it happen from Tokyo, and there'll need to be um, a suite, her own suite for security purposes. So it sounds like uh, Team Taylor has recognized the fact that they have uh, generated the equivalent brand value of $350 million plus and is telling the NFL to do their part. That is savvy to me. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> And yeah, by the way, absolutely. And, and she raised the bar for Travis Kelsey himself. Even he told the media on media night, you know what? She held up her end of the bargain with the hardware, the Grammys. Now I have to go ahead and bring home the hardware in the Lombardi Trophy. So there you go. I mean, first you had the Watt family and, and, and competing with each other and the Ertz family. Now yeah. you, you got yeah. Kelsey and yeah. 
Taylor Swift. I, I will say, I think it'll be impressive to see not only Taylor Swift in a suite, but who else can afford. I mean, you're in Vegas, so a lot of people can afford those suites. But at Allegiant Stadium, what those suites, especially those ones in the end zone on the field, what those are going for? Oh. Oof. Yeah, the approximate uh, cost of ticket, just the average ticket price on the secondary market is about two times any other Super Bowl, including 57 in the Phoenix area last season. That's how in demand Las Vegas is as a destination and as a Super Bowl matchup. So, And what's interesting, too, is to hear, because we obviously all have our eyes on the 49ers, right? We look over the block wall, the NFC West, and our neighbor's backyard. you got to figure out a way to dethrone the 49ers, NFC champions, and all that. And here's some of the anecdotes that come from Kyle Shanahan and Jed York, the owner. Like, they told the story that Kyle Shanahan walked in to interview for the head coaching gig back in 2017, and he looked the owner in the eye and said, this is one of the worst rosters I've ever seen. They were a two-win team. Yikes. And then you look at a quick history of what they did to build up this team. They traded for Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, obviously. They drafted five players who become first-team All-Pros. George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, and Talanoa Hufunga, the safety who's injured right now. Four of those picks happened outside round one. And then in free agency, they spent big money just recently on Javon Hargrave and then Charvarius Ward, who ended up being an all-pro corner. So you're like, okay, the NFL is still a copycat league. Is there a blueprint of sorts there for the Cardinals? Especially, especially to me, at least, if you're going to look at free agency and big dollars, what about the defense? Whether maybe there's a corner out there, and I'm not sure if there is, but there are a few defensive linemen who are going to hit the market, including Chris Jones, apparently, is going to hit the market. And so, all right, if you're Monty Austin Ford and you have a significant need along that defensive front, do you think maybe with, what, $42 million or so, according to the websites, and cap space for the Arizona Cardinals? Sounds ballparky. I mean, could that be, could that be one of the big offseason moves? I think so. I would think offseason moves when you're looking about positions would be defensive tackle, pass rusher, or cornerback as where you need immediate significant help from a proven veteran. There's a lot of pieces, a lot of factors that have to play into this for that to be the right decision on both ends. The Cardinals are not in a position where, yes, I I do think they can be competitive next year but they're not in a position to where this team is one or two key players off from making a push for the Super Bowl the way some of the other teams are which tells me you're probably going to look for a veteran that's maybe trying to go on a second contract or maybe just finishing up you you don't want somebody who's nearing the end of their career and spending that kind of money for a veteran that you're probably not going to get more than a couple of years out of I would imagine and then you also you know, have to think about who you want to return and where you're wanting to spend money. Now, I don't think that's really a problem for the Cardinals and because I, I think when you're looking at free agents, even someone like Hollywood Brown, I, I don't think that would be more than a one-year deal. So that kind of bodes well for the Cardinals. I think with the pieces they have, where they are set up for the draft and how this draft, the prospects are looking about where it's really heavy, where you have a lot of not just options, but good options, kind of falls more on the offense. So I would think it would make sense if you're looking for a big piece in free agency, one of those three spots on defense makes sense to me. So I did a quick review 
before this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. In addition to Chris Jones, uh, you have the Baltimore Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Justin Matabuike, and he is scheduled to reach free agency. Can we pause real quick? That's yeah. a big props for doing that name well. Good job. I think I got it right. I think. Uh, but he, but there's a common thread in here, and we talked to Kyle Vandenbosch about this recently, and we asked him about, because let's face it, we're on the trust tree here. The Jordan Phillips signing a few years ago did not go well for the Arizona Cardinals. Nope. Big money on a big defensive lineman coming off a big contract year. He put up numbers that season. He was to be a free agent like no other in his career. That's exactly what Matabuike just did for the Baltimore Ravens. It's exactly what Jonathan Greener just did for Houston, another pro bowler who had a career high in sacks, tackles for loss, quarterback hits. And then you had Daniil Hunter in a contract year who ended up leading the league with 23 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks. Now he's age 29. Uh, here's what I'm going to say about this. But there this. are some guys, Yeah. but there's always that big contract year well, they just turned in. When you're... So which guy are you getting? When you talk about Hunter, when you talk about Chris Jones, these are guys that have done it a lot. A lot. So I wouldn't, you know, you could talk about the age with those guys, but I'm not necessarily going to be like, oh, if I pay this guy, that he, it's not going to happen. The other guys, if it's just the one year, I, I understand hesitation. So it just makes me wonder, and we honestly don't have a real answer to this question, do we? What is Monty Ford's true philosophy when it comes to free agency? Is he someone who's apt to spend the big money in the right spots? If you know, last year was all about evaluation and assessing, it was really more about you know getting rid and keeping the correct players versus going out and being aggressive. But now that you know what you have and you know what you need. All right, you go out there and you target players accordingly. So I'm real curious. Now, on the other hand, you have 11 picks. And this draft is very deep in offensive tackles, very deep in receivers. So I know we threw out a couple of names last week, a couple of guys who might be tracking for free agency, whether it's a Mike Evans or a a Michael Pittman. Now, I don't think the Colts will ever let Michael Pittman hit the open market because he's by far their best receiver. But I am with you guys. I think they're much more apt to spend money on the defensive side of the ball. A, because they need numerous players on that side of the ball and b you know you're going to need guys who contribute right away and so do you go for someone who's a proven entity like some of these defensive linemen we don't know yet we honestly don't know i mean even like a inside linebacker like patrick queen they didn't baltimore did not pick up his fifth year option they did not want to pick up the option that would have cost them nearly $13 million this coming season, but they did pay Roquan Smith five years, $100 million in an extension. What do you think? Could the Cardinals use a Patrick Queen to go along with a Kaiser White? I, 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 for me, I, sorry to cut you off, for me, my first thought is they have so many needs on defense. If I'm spending big money, a, a off-ball linebacker is not it. Agreed. That was the point I was going to make. You're at it. You're no. You're good. It's it's a point where, yeah, that would be great and that could help you, but it's not your biggest need and that has to be a priority. I think if you're looking for the silver lining of the Cardinals have so many needs on defense specifically, if you are able to get a big time run stuffer on the defensive line, like a big guy, that can help your DBs and vice versa. So. 
you know, you could get like a top tier A A plus guy on your interior defensive line, and then you can get, you know, like a, a B plus, A minus kind of cornerback, right? You can kind of go from there. But but I would agree that linebacker would not be top of my priority list for free agency signings. I, I tell you one potential big time defensive front free agent to be who just cost himself a lot of money chase young and that video yeah, yeah that's not a good video that video of turning Completely down, stopped running turning down jamar gibbs just zero effort whatsoever on that big touchdown run lions turned in in the nfc championship game and then to hear former cardinals head coach steve wilkes tell the media flat out because look that Niners defense is still under fire quite a bit after two lackluster performances in the playoffs, including giving up 182 yards rushing against the Lions, a buck 48 in the first half. And when you're seeing players, and it wasn't just Chase Young, he was the most egregious, but there were other players giving, shall we say, less than maximum effort. Let me let me ask you this quick question on that, Paul. Yeah. So the suggestion is, obviously, Steve Wilkes called them out. For their effort, he did. He said, as a defense, it's unacceptable. And he went on, we got to make sure. And quite honestly, it was embarrassing, is what Steve Wilkes said. Does that does that motivate them for this game? I know everybody says, oh well, of course it's going to motivate. But is it? Does is it is it a difference maker that somebody decided to go pull Chase Young's? Because I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure Steve Wilkes says all those things if that stuff doesn't go viral out there well and there was also a report from an insider and i failed to remember exactly which entity put it out there that the niners were thinking about sitting him for the super bowl they were so incensed so incensed and so indignant so to your point internally as an organization maybe they made a decision to put it out there to call him out chase young hold him accountable and guess what with some 50 plus cameras on a Super Bowl, virtually every player will be ISOed, and they're probably going to have a Chase Young cam in the production truck just in case he dogs it again. I, I don't know if you knew this, Paul, but the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Appreciate that. <laughs> and if not that, Danielle go find the All-22. She's very good at that. <laughs> Danielle go hit the All-22, and she'll tell us on, on the Monday after Super Bowl, by the way. So, you know, it's, oh, my goodness. By the way, the other quote from Steve Wilkes that I liked, and he said this to the media. As I look, or no, he tweeted this out actually after the NFC Championship, Steve Wilkes. As I look back on my life, I realize that every time I thought I was being rejected in caps, rejected from something good, I was actually being redirected to something better. Wait, Steve Wilkes tweeted that? He tweeted that out. I didn't know Steve Wilkes was on Twitter. <laughs> X. And X. And. You know, the most recent example of that obviously was not getting the Carolina head coaching yeah. gig and then going to the 49ers as a defensive coordinator. But once again, uh, you got a Niners defense that led the NFL in scoring defense and total yards. Well, actually, that was in 2022. This year, they really only dropped off slightly based on the regular season numbers, but they have not been the same in the postseason. And, you know, as I was trying to educate Roy Green, the Jetstream himself, on the Red Sea report, as I laugh. Uh, I'm t- look, oh, we were laughing on the inside, Paul. Just give me one, give me one reason why the 49ers are going to be able to stop Travis Kelsey. You know, we could, look, we talk about Travis Kelsey, and the first thing that comes up is Taylor Swift. But let's not forget that he had seven for 71 against Miami, he had five for 75, and two touchdowns against Buffalo. He had 11 catches on 11 targets for a buck 16 and a touchdown against Baltimore. 
I mean, Danny, he's been unstoppable. Not only those numbers, I think about in the Chiefs' most recent game where Patrick Mahomes was falling and just kind of threw the ball in the general vicinity of Travis Kelsey, and he stretched out and snagged that ball and brought it in tight. That's the type of chemistry between those two that you can't coach. That is just natural in time and playing together. So it's not just impressive the numbers that Kelsey is able to put up. It's also plays like that where – the connection that he has with his quarterback is so strong and so unique that you can do as a defense, you can do everything by the book technique wise, and there's still going to be plays where Kelsey and Mahomes are going to beat you with that connection. All right. So here's my question. Uh, Trey McBride, Cardinals standout tight end, year number two for the Cardinals was on with Kay Adams, up and Adams, her show. And she said, you're my breakout player for next season. A, Craig Riolo piped up, said, wait a minute, wasn't he already a breakout That's player? I was just thinking. This season, but, you know, to the national types. Sure. Okay. How close is he to being in that upper echelon of tight end in the NFL? Trey McBride, as we enter the 2024 season, where is Trey McBride in that pecking order? I don't know that you could argue that he's not inching his way to the top of that. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to, I guess, go look at numbers from to say if he's like top three, top five things of that nature when we saw McBride he continued to elevate every single week and when Kyler Murray returned in week 10 McBride for the rest of the year led tight ends in pretty much every category across the board in terms of receptions and receiving yards and I believe what yards after catch as well but amongst tight ends that's impressive I think if McBride continues to improve on his blocking, which I know is something that this coaching staff has been working on him with, I would absolutely expect him to continue to elevate his game next year and make a push to be one of those top tight ends. Because he's, he's hard to bring down on first contact. It's not like he he's able to have that. Now, I, I still think he needs a little bit of time with Kyler Murray. He didn't have a lot last year, didn't have a lot of opportunities, and McBride came off the bench. Obviously, Kyler Murray was hurt. So I think having an offseason and a training camp, the two of them together, I really think you can still see a difference. I, it feels like there's a renaissance in tight ends going on right now in the league. I mean, obviously, you have Kelsey and Kittle in the Super Bowl, which they're still the gold standard. But uh, the Laporta in Detroit and Hawkinson in Minnesota. Mark Andrews when healthy. Mark Andrews, uh, the the kid from Dallas. Um, Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson. I mean, there's a lot of really good tight ends right now. So, um, and I think Trey is right. I mean, you can't argue with the back half of, of his season and and put it up against any. And it's to me, it's not just the numbers. It's the impact. It's it's knowing that he can be the guy. Numbers can sometimes get wonky because teams can def, you know figure out ways to hold you without the ball but I, I mean for me um, he's already made huge strides now can he get better yes and you know our guy Wolf always likes to talk about making sure that he's more Kittle than Kelsey yeah and making sure that McBride continues to work on his blocking so he doesn't turn into a one-dimensional guy and uh, in fact, in the big red rage, we had Trey McBride on late in the season, and Wolf got into the whole rant about you know making sure you're a dual threat tight end. And Trey stopped and said, "You know what? Um, JG needs to make you the run game blocking coordinator." <laughs> and I said, "That's too lofty. He's got to start out run game blocking quality control." <laughs> but let's be honest over here. So yeah, and then we had Ben Steele on the big red rage as position coach, and Ben Steele said, "Don't worry, I kept his ego in check." 
Every Monday we'd come in, and I wouldn't go with the 10 catches for a buck 11 and the touchdown. He said I would immediately start with, you missed this block here. You failed to seal the edge there. And, he, you know, he, and, and so he said I made sure to keep him in line. It's hard to imagine Trey McBride having an ego in any sense just from being around him for two years and the personality he has and just how humble and down-to-earth and kind he is. Not just the numbers that McBride put up this year, I think his reliability for this offense is what stands out. And that's what I really appreciate about his performance this year. More times than not, the wide receivers as a whole struggle to produce consistently. McBride did not. He was a constant for whichever quarterback was there, especially when Murray made his return. And once McBride got hot and he got going, it was hard to stop him in a game. And and that's important and that's impressive is to have that security blanket that's what Kyler Murray called Zach Ertz when he was traded here a couple of years ago was Murray made a comment of oh I've never had a tight end be a security blanket before I can absolutely see Trey Trey McBride filling in as that new security blanket for Kyler and and big picture when you start talking about Trey McBride I mean where was the conversation with Trey McBride that we were having this time last year it was like oh like I hope this wasn't a waste of a second round pick you know, how quickly can this guy come around? Why did they take him in the second round? And now look where it is. And it, it, it just it reminds you, like, you got to give these draft picks a couple years. It was funny because I've, I keep getting questions about why the Cardinals bothered to trade back up for Paris Johnson. Because um, they went from 3 to 12 and then 12 up to 6 to get Paris Johnson. And I guess you can argue that there could have been another tackle that you could have taken later if you stayed at 12. But... Um, they liked Paris. They liked Paris the whole time. And as I was, uh, ESPN had a redraft already of the uh, of the first round for last year, and uh, and no trades were allowed. So everybody was in their original trade uh, draft position. So if the Cardinals were going to stay in their original position, they took Will Anderson. But it was interesting that Paris Johnson still didn't get past the Raiders. I think at seven, which is one of the reasons the Cardinals went from twelve to six was because it was pretty much common knowledge that the Raiders wanted Paris Johnson and so if the Cardinals wanted Paris Johnson that's why you traded up for him and it's just and and I think Paris had a solid year this year can he get better of course he can but like let's let's get him a couple years here before we start saying wow he what they shouldn't have traded up for him they should have gotten somebody else all that stuff I think it's it's hard of there is and it's a fair expectation I have the same expectation. If you're going to have a high draft pick and the first round needs to come in and that player needs to be an impact player immediately. Yes. There are so many positions and offensive line is just not one of them where you can look at the stat sheet and get a good idea of how a player performed. And so I could understand if people are saying, oh, well, how do I know if he had a good year or if it was good or great or things like that? And that's just one of the positions where as a rookie, it's he actually did have a pretty good year. It's just it's not going to look the same when people are comparing, oh, but if we would have taken Will Anderson, look what he did in Houston. It's it's hard to just look at the numbers and, and those splash plays and things of that nature when you're comparing those two different positions. Right, so maybe I missed it. Where in the redraft, where did Paris Johnson Jr. go in the redraft? Wherever the Raiders picked, which I believe was seven. Gotcha. Okay. So in the same vicinity. Right, which is why it was seven or eight, which is why the Cardinals went up to six. Gotcha. Because that was the trade right. they could do to okay. get in front of the Raiders. Yeah. Well, you had your little rant about, you know, Super Bowl is two words. It is two words. Oh, pa- let's hear Danny, it's two words. What about end zone? End zone is also two words. Ooh, let me think what else. Off season. Hyphen uh, off or no off season? No, no, no hyphen. No hyphen. Okay. That's the one I always pause on. 
Okay, off season. Hyphen that one or no you can hyphen? probably argue about, but I'm a believer in no hyphen for off season. All right, so two words: Super Bowl. Um, my rant would be two rookies of the year from the same team. Mm. C.J. Stroud is already vexing enough, stinking C.J. Stroud and only five interceptions and the Pro Bowl caliber play and everything he did for Houston, right? And they won no more than four games the three previous season. He leads them from worst to first and into the playoffs, and the Cardinals are picking 27th because of it. What we really don't need is that second rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, Will Anderson Jr. We really don't need that. So uh, this is me imploring all the voters, NFL honors, uh, Devin Witherspoon, as much as it pains me in the 12s <laughs> really? in Seattle, oh. it is actually the better option. Devin Witherspoon, who is a pro bowler himself, uh, needs to be your defensive rookie in the NFL because we can't have Will Anderson Jr. You're, taking home that hardware. You're picking the lesser of two evils. Yes, I am. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But make no mistake, they are evil. Yeah. I mean, as I get older... I don't necessarily pull for teams to win, okay? There, there's not, not much fanboy left in me, but there are certain entities that I root uh, to lose. Is that okay? Is that wrong? Like the Dodgers, no. I, like, I want them to lose. Like Draymond Green. Uh, trust me, I, I want Draymond that. Green and the Warriors to lose. I think that's normal. Lose. I think a lot of fans you know, are like that. You know, Sean Payton, haughty, want him to it's, lose. It's, it's, you know, it, these are the, some of the things. You it's know? one of the reasons, even with coaching, they always the coaches always talk about the losses hurt so much more than the wins give right. you joy, yes. right? Yes. Like But as a fan who dislikes some of these entities, you know what? The losses actually give me more joy than the wins do disgust, if that makes sense. I think, however, if your team, whoever it might be, is doing really well, you would you would probably change that a little bit. One of the reasons I think people are so into rooting for teams you or players that you don't like to lose is because mathematically your team isn't always going to be in the mix so it's mathematically yeah. you're going to you'll benefit by that quote-unquote high of an, the team you don't like losing more often than your team will be winning getting to troll so does that mean you're rooting for the chiefs well, that's a tough one right there. That, that, that is a tough one. I know you one. have Kansas City fatigue. Yes, some serious fatigue. Uh, that, that's to be determined. Uh, I will say this, as far as the 12s, because I do enjoy watching the 12s lose, since we gave the Niners some love in the NFC West update desk, uh, Rams news, they ended up hiring to replace Raheem Morris, Chris Shula. You're like, geez, I've heard that football name before. Yes, he's the grandson of Hall of Fame coach Don Shula. He's going to be the Rams' new defensive coordinator. Wait a minute. I, I And I think I saw that. So, like, is Brandon Staley going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere? Did he get hired somewhere? No, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge, no. That surprises yeah. me. So, uh, and by the way. Cowboys haven't hired a new defensive coordinator. You never know, Darren. It's true. Mike Zimmer. By the way, Chris Shula was uh, Sean McVay's longtime assistant and college teammate, actually. So they were a college teammate. Six years roommate. ago. <laughs> well, okay, Darren, snarky guy. Guess what? Sean McVay is no longer the youngest head That's coach. That's true. He's not. He has been for like the last decade. He's still significantly younger than me, though. But now it's Mike McDonald, uh, age 36, literally half the age of Coach Double Rainbow. I was going to say, do you have a nickname for him yet? Not yet, but he deserves M&M. one. He deserves one because to his own admission, quote, I have a different personality. You'll get to know me, but my plan is to be myself every day, and you're just going to get me, 
It's not a facade, no other altar agendas or anything like that. Okay, what does that mean, though? He said the spirit of how we play and the principles of how we play, what you've seen on tape in Baltimore, will be the same. But I can't guarantee you the schematics will be the same here because we're not sure what we're good at yet. And then the GM, John Schneider, described the new head coach of the Seahawks as a, quote, disruptor and said one of the guiding principles through the interview process was, who is going to change the marketplace? So they think they have an innovative new head coach in Mike McDonald. Just a lot of words. So, Herm Edwards was invited. And John Schneider said that he talked to several people that had interviewed Mike McDonald before he did, and they all told him, wait until you look into this guy's eyes. He's there, he's present, he's on it. <laughs> so apparently I, I, the antioxidant what all, else are they gonna say the all I organic know, antioxidant ways have not left Seattle with the dismissal of Pete Carroll. I gotta be honest, like I don't I, I understand when every coach gets but I, I would love I would love to bring together like and this goes for all teams, like the things that were being said about a coach when he first gets hired. You know, and ninety yeah. percent of them yeah. are gone after like yeah, three or four years. Yeah, you gotta hype everyone up. What about another coach that was recently hired, Paul? And that would be Washington's offensive coordinator. Oh, Cliff Kingsbury. I'm oh. glad you brought that up. Glad you brought that up. Um, now, Danny, if I was your age, I might actually change careers and pursue uh, a, a future as an offensive coordinator in the NFL because I cannot believe all of these new OCs who were old OCs elsewhere. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, for example, former Cardinals head coach. Ken Dorsey in Cleveland, fired by Buffalo. Luke Getze in Vegas, fired by Chicago. Kellen Moore in Philly, fired by the Chargers. Alex Van Pelt in New England, fired by Cleveland. Arthur Smith of Pittsburgh, fired by Atlanta as the head coach. Joe Brady in Buffalo was the Carolina OC in 20 and 21. Liam Cohen in Tampa was the Rams OC in 22. I mean, almost every single OC gig went to someone. It's just a big musical chairs. What's going on with all of this? It'll be interesting. It was definitely interesting getting the alerts over the weekend of Kingsbury was supposedly going to take the OC job in Vegas. And then the next day got an alert that he turned that down and then ended up going to Washington under new head coach Dan Quinn. And then all the speculations of, well, does that mean Washington's going to want to trade up one spot and get the first overall pick from Chicago and draft USC's quarterback Caleb Williams, who Kingsbury has now a close relationship and understanding with after being out there for a year? Actually, they're going to sign Josh Rosen. <laughs> Stop. Too soon, Darren. Stop. And Kingsbury's going to make his return to State Farm Stadium. Might be worthy of a week one matchup. Just kidding. I don't want to do Commanders week one two years in a row. Oh, that's right. So when he was going to the Raiders for that 36-hour period, I'm thinking, okay, Jaden Daniels, the Raiders, Antonio Pierce was with ASU. Cliff was in the Valley with Jaden Daniels. That's the direction. Here come the Raiders, maybe to number four with the Cardinals to take Jaden Daniels. But then Cliff goes to Washington, and you're thinking, okay, who's the quarterback and number two, if because there's no way they're going with Sam Howell. I mean, that was horrendous. Story. I mean, you realize Sam Howell, I have it right here, was sacked 65 times. That led what? the NFL. He threw 21 picks. They had him throw 612 pass attempts, which led the NFL. I mean, 
Washington did Sam Howell no favors in his first year as a starter. They had no run game. They didn't run the ball, even tried, and nobody got sacked more than Sam Howell. Number two, by the way, is Bryce Young. He got sacked 62 times. Remember what I said. Somebody got sacked more than Bryce Young. That's crazy to me. If you take the top of the draft, right, if you take the top of the draft, you can read into it how many sacks allowed, how many sacks registered. And the teams that were worst in both categories are almost always at the top of the draft. Protect that quarterback, get to the quarterback. But in terms of Cliff what was, Kingsbury, it, what was the Cardinals sack total? Well, the Cardinals ended up bottom seven in terms oh, of sacks did. because they were only had one sack in their final six games. About two thirds of the way through the season, the Cardinals were about midway, were about halfway, you know, 50 50 in the NFL, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. range. The, t- the sacks you're getting now, the sacks, sacks you're allowed the Cardinals do, do real. I'm, t- I'm talking about both. Oh, if you go it, with both it. and you sort of add them together. Got it, got it, got it. Um, but in terms of Cliff Kingsbury, Look, and a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people are going to ask you guys, and a lot of people have already asked me, like, what did Washington see? Well, if you go to the first half of 2021 when the Cardinals started 7 and 0, 10 and 2, they had a top 10 run game. Now, what happened the rest of that season? Nobody really knows as to why the bottom fell out. And they all know what happened in 2022. Basically, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, including the second most injuries in like league history and 11 different starting offensive line combinations, and then Kyler, season-ending injury. So I can see where Dan Quinn goes, okay, Cliff Kingsbury. And you know what? A lot like Dan Quinn himself, and what did he say at the media press conference? Look, there's a lot that I learned my first time around as head coach. And when you get a second chance, you better be darn sure you learn from the first chance. And hopefully, and I'm guessing he's thinking Cliff Kingsbury did the same thing. I would think that's a fair assessment for Kingsbury to do. We know how hard he worked. He was in here at 4 a.m. every single day, constantly watching film. He was a head coach in college, head coach here, obviously, for a couple of years. I think it would make sense that he could find success as an offensive coordinator. He's so offensive-minded that not having to focus on the defense and special teams and everything a head coach has to do and also dealing with all the other off the field stuff and the locker room and everything else you're having to deal with if Kingsbury can just focus on the on the offense and he's got a quarterback that he likes that they're able to kind of beef up that offensive line and create some protection I think he could find more success as an offensive coordinator it'll be interesting to see the philosophy of is one of those things he learns from the run game and relying on the run and, and using that a little differently, maybe not being in shotgun as often as Kyler Murray was when Kingsbury was his head coach out here. It, it'll just be interesting. But but Kingsbury won't have to worry about all the head coaching BS, right? That's going to be Dan Quinn. He can just focus on the offense and, and what he likes to do. I am super curious about the shotgun thing. Because again, and I know I brought it up a million times, before, long before they, well not long before, but a month before they drafted Kyler Murray, um, Cliff Kingsbury said it was his philosophy that you there was nothing you couldn't do in shotgun that you could do that that you did under center. That was at the owners' meeting at the, the owners, Biltmore, right? Yes, the first. That's right, meeting. and that was a month before they drafted Kyler mm-hmm. Murray. So that's his philosophy. So do you does that get altered some with Dan Quinn now that he's got a head coach saying, okay, we we gotta we gotta got to do a little bit different than that and a defensive minded 
head coach in terms of, okay, this is, it is harder if you're under center and, and seeing what's going on and things of that. That could play a role in if Kingsbury has to alter his well, philosophy. Let the record reflect. I asked Kyler Murray in his second to last press conference just about how much more comfortable he was under center. And he went into a long explanation within which he said, I was always in favor. Yes, he did say that. I noticed that. Being under center. Is that revisionist history? Is that true? We'll see. So to your point, okay, now we'll see what Cliff installs in Washington. What does it look like? I will say Washington coming to play the Cardinals in the AZ feels and smells like a Thursday night game. Cardinals are going to be back in primetime? In primetime. Here you go, Didn't have a single primetime game last year. Coming back to the AZ. It's not quite Sunday night or Monday night because you have two teams who are in the top five of the draft, but Thursday night feels like a good fit for that matchup. I could see that. Possible. I could see that that happening. By the way, neither one of you is going to Brazil. You you do realize that because the Eagles are hosting there. So any speculation there? there Am I wrong in that there's two Brazil games? You are wrong. I am wrong. (laughs) Someone was just telling me there was one in Rio as well. Which I didn't no, think was. I think there's only one. There's only Which one. Which interesting. There's to two me, in Germany. Two in Germany. It's interesting to me. It's Philadelphia, not Miami. But what do I know? Well, not that there was only one Brazil game. Okay. Well, someone told me that this afternoon. I didn't think that was the case until someone said that. Why don't you throw the them Cardinals, under the bus? The car. No, the Cardinals <laughs> still have a chance to go international, though. Vikings. Sure. Cardinals are the away team against the Vikings, who play in London, and the Panthers in Germany. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to Fingers Germany. crossed. Same. So, uh, Danny, anything you need to convey from the Pro Bowl before I get to the Senior Bowl? Hmm. We had a good time out there with Safety Buda Baker, who was great as always. Did a lot of fun content with us. It was it was definitely different. My only other experience in person was going to Vegas two years ago, and I'm not talking about being different, just the atmosphere. But just logistically of in Vegas, it was a small minor league ballpark that was filled with fans for practice. And then in Florida and Orlando, it was at Camping World Stadium, which is a big football stadium. And there weren't fans out there at practice. There was like community fans, people who had been selected to come watch from the field. So it was a different vibe in that sense. Um, Practices are what you would expect of pretty low key, not a lot going on at practice. I will say from what I saw on TV, because we were only out there until Saturday so we came back but watching the skills on Thursday and what they did in the Pro Bowl games on Sunday I think the NFL has done a good job at pivoting understanding that just the game and players understandably so we're not taking it very seriously because you don't want to get hurt and it's not really worth much besides an extra check which yes is nice I understand the argument of people wanting to see the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl So that you really are getting the best of the best because players who are playing in the Super Bowl don't participate in the Pro Bowl because they're getting ready for that game. But I like that you get to see some different players and positions. And I think that the league does a nice job at allowing those different skill sets for those positions to shine of power, agility, speed, whatever that might be. You have something for the centers and the long snappers of snapping the ball. You've got the precision passing for quarterbacks and Best catch and dodgeball, which is fun. I like that the flag football game on Sunday was broken up in the quarters of the gauntlet and tug of war and pulling the sled and all that. I just, I thought it was for what the Pro Bowl is. I thought it was nice of kind of being different and, and up, you know, the pace was good enough to kind of keep you watching. You weren't just watching a stale flag football game. So, all in all, 
not a bad watch. You know, when they when I heard they brought back the tug of war, I was actually a little surprised. I'm thinking, really? NFL GMs and owners consented to letting their big guys get into the whole tug of war thing. I mean, doesn't that seem like you'd be somewhat susceptible to I, you know, a I, sweet I, knee or something? I like, thought about that, but I mean, think of the other stuff. That's pretty arduous and pretty How demanding, about, isn't but, it? But look at all the other stuff. I mean, you there was the one uh, where you're like pulling the the chain the like the first down chain right you had to pull all the weight off and yeah. then you were pulling the first down chain as like a sled yeah. it was a big sled that and the you're doing that and, and this turned into like the world's strongest man and to, magnus magnuson my guy i mean to, what's going to, on to be honest even the flag football game i'm like you're watching guys run around i mean it doesn't yeah. uh, you you could blow out a knee doing that i guess so all right thanks orlando yeah. you you did that once <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. So, all right. There you go. That you was, can get uh, hurt. You could yeah. get killed j- stepping off a curb, Paul. Yeah, Have you ever heard? That? I also yeah, liked. Okay. I liked when Buda Baker had the opportunity. He was hyping up some of his teammates in an interview, the sideline exchange interview. I'd asked which offensive player he was happiest to be teammates with on the NFC team and not have to defend, and he named Cowboys wide receiver C.D. Lamb by name, which makes sense. And the Buddha was looking around. He's like, "Yeah, we've got some good quarterbacks," and he said, "Totally serious." I don't think any of them are better than K1, which I don't think is a bad assessment. Interesting, yeah. And then when he was mic'd up for the Wired piece that's out on azcarnals.com and the official YouTube channel, he was also wearing a GoPro. And so he's talking with Julian Love, the other starting safety from the Seahawks. And they were at practice, and Julian was talking to Buddha about if they were in cover two or man, whatever, and, and talking about communication. And Buddha was like, yeah, see us safeties, they communicate. And Buddha went to do like a little handshake or gesture, and he said to Julian, that's how I do a JT. And Julian's like, oh, Jalen Thompson, he had a good year, right? And Buddha's, Buddha's telling him how he's balling out and hyping up JT, and I thought that was cool to see that in very organic situations. Yeah. Buddha was... Hyping up his teammates. That's good. Those are good questions, Danny. It's sort of like that uh, elementary school kid at media night who was asking all those money questions. That's cute. I'm like, wow. It was beyond cute. I mean, it was incredibly impressive, was yeah. it not? I mean, the questions were well thought out. That's the kid who a couple years ago did, I think it was started as like a tiny mic interview randomly on the sideline. I think his interview was with uh, Devontae Adams, Adams, and he had all his stats and numbers ready to go Don't in the tell Paul, but we've already interviewed the kid. I don't know if, oh. what, what that means for Paul going oh. forward, but... Oh, jeez. Wow. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there watching that, and I told the wife, I said, you know what, I'm not sure I asked a question that good all year. And this kid's just rattling him off one after another i'm like my goodness i gotta raise my game these kids are up and coming for your gig it's unbelievable all right so uh we're talking about practice right senior bowl uh they're out there because all the scouts leave when it comes time for the game you realize the senior bowl they had their first sellout since 2010 do you know who was on the roster in 2010 that resulted in an automatic sellout cam newton i was just gonna guess that tim tebow oh Uh, Players also wore helmet stickers this year featuring a parrot drinking a margarita to honor the late Mobile native Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I forgot he's from from Mobile. Mobile, Alabama? Yes. Wow. There's there's a couple of fun factoids on that. Uh, The best news for the Cardinals, QB rising. Here he comes, Michael Penix Jr. Didn't play in the game, but he had a heck of a practice week. See, that's funny because I've also, I've read some reports like that. I've read other reports that said he wasn't that great during the week. Oh, that's not good. Well, if he wasn't, then Bo Nix was. Uh, Bo Nix got some good uh, props. They actually had a, they had the chip and the shoulder pad deal or whatever on their person, and they had Michael Penix exceeding 19.5 miles per hour on a scramble. So Not bad. Okay. And then actually local kid Spencer Rattler, 
He only played a couple of series, but he was four for four, and he was decent during the week. But once again, if you can get the, that fourth quarterback, man, if you can just get him to come up to number four, and then the Cardinals have the option. Do they pick a player at number four, or do they cash it in for a quarterback desperate team that wants to move up? So I don't know who it is. I don't care who it is, there whether it's Michael Penix, whether it's Bo Nix. I don't happen. care. Come on. Anthony Richardson did it last year, Darren, out of nowhere. He turned the combine in his pro day into the fourth yeah, but pick there overall. Were, yeah, but there were, he wasn't the fourth quarterback. He was the fourth pick. Sure. Well, it, true. It, I don't care what the scenario is. Although, I will say this. Where Where's the one I have here? Okay, this is Lance Zerline, NFL.com. He has the Cardinals taking a receiver at number four. Cardinals need to add a big wideout. My comp for this player is Larry Fitzgerald. Except the player he has the Cardinals picking is not Marvin Harrison Jr. It's Roma Dunze, who he says his comp is Larry Fitzgerald. Oh. Mind blow. Is Harrison still on the board at that point? He goes number three to New England. Okay, so uh, okay. not even So it's choice. Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, two, Marvin Harrison Jr., three, Adunze, four to the Cardinals. Over a tackle at that point. Interesting. And by the way, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out, here it is, if you need to remake your offensive line, this draft is going to provide that opportunity. Talent and depth is there to make a major impact next year. I wouldn't hate that if that's the Cardinals. You have 27, you can take a tackle. You have so much draft capital. You could take 27 and you could trade up in the first round if you have your eyes set on a certain tackle. Or if you trade out a number four to number eight with Atlanta, then you can still get a receiver at eight, get your tackle somewhere else with that extra pick you get from Atlanta, and then at 27 target another position. Or at 35, you could have gone tackle. And then, oh, I don't know franchise center because there's at least two of those in this draft happen to notice the two starting centers in the afc championship game creed humphrey tyler linderbaum those names ring a bell darren urban they do yeah two names associated with the cardinals in recent drafts now to be fair wasn't that the draft where they traded away their first round pick they so they yeah. Yeah, did the, not uh, have the option hollywood brown yeah they traded away they could have taken so uh I wouldn't be shocked. Once again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The year, the one really good year they got out of Rodney Hudson, you realized how valuable a true all-pro center is to your entire scheme. So I know everyone says with a really high pick, a first-round pick in particular, you know, it's quarterback, it's left tackle, it's corner, it's edge. I would throw center in there. I really would. What about what you saw from Yelda Froholt, though, of you can still use those other positions you just listed yeah right it's, it's possible and you know what if you still need a left guard guess what Yelda Froholt has plenty of experience at guard so you could start him out at center bring the rookie That's along slowly and eventually ease him in and then Yelda guess what boom get out there to left guard I don't know just not a bad option I'm just you know you could you could out there work through all of these scenarios in a mock <laughs> draft Paul. yes you could I, I think it's yes. I, I just love the fact as we sit over here and then Paul brings up one piece of paper, and then there's another piece of paper, and there's, there's all this stuff. Your prep is unmatched. I'm just throwing all this stuff in there. As I read it, I just throw it in there. I throw it, I condense it. I throw it in there. Just cut and Poly paste prep. it, condense it. We'll come back to it because I'm going to throw it out for you guys okay. to consider. Maybe, That's maybe, why. maybe I don't want to get rid yeah. of them for that other yeah. kid. <laughs> <laughs> At least not yet. Here's the other thing I found out about the draft. This is according to Daniel Jeremiah. Maybe I need to restate what I've been saying all along is there's no sauce gardener. We're no corner worthy of number four. Apparently, this kid out of Bama, Terry and Arnold, 
They have going number six in a lot of these drafts. Could be. Six? Six overall in it. some of these drafts. Um, the, the kid from uh, from a smaller school who was at the Senior Bowl, and I'm forgetting his name right now, oh, Mitchell? Uh, Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Second half of the first I, round now. He, he really elevated yeah, his stock Yeah, I don't know if he's going to make it all the way to 27 now. but like, Correct, yeah. That would be a really cool pick yeah. at 27. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are – once again – if there was a franchise elite corner at number four, I think the Cardinals would go that direction. If there was a franchise elite pass rusher at number four, I do think the Cardinals would go that direction. That guy does not appear to be there this year. There isn't a Miles Garrett. There isn't a Sauce Garter. Derek Stingley Jr., which we saw in Houston, he ended the year really strong. I think Will he, Anderson. Was, he was the AFC Defensive Player of the Month. Yeah, Will Anderson, who, once again, better not be the Rookie of the Year. And not only that, the Cardinals need to beef up their offensive line. It's it's a need when DJ Humphreys is going to be out for <coughs> months. Yep. We'll, we'll get a sense of this. When, when they go through free agency, we talked earlier about the defensive needs. There's still some possibility of doing some things on the offensive side. And you may not choose to, like, if you decide Paris Johnson's going to be my left tackle, maybe you just get a serviceable right tackle. Right. By the way, I'm gonna. Last thing I'm gonna share is uh, from media night, what they call opening night. Jed York, the owner of the Niners. This is a Brock Purdy anecdote. Local guy, 2017 Arizona Cardinals High School Player of the Year, Brock Purdy, and he shared an anecdote from training camp 2022. Brock Purdy, last player taken in the draft. Kyle Shanahan tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Boss, we got to talk." And he said, "Normally when that happens, it's not good." And they closed the door, and Kyle Shanahan said, um, the best quarterback out there is the rookie. And Jed York said, um, come again. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not Trey Lance. We just traded three first-round picks for. It's What's the kid's name again? Yeah, Brock Purdy. He's the best quarterback out there. And then they went and asked Kyle Shanahan about that, and he relayed the story and said that it wasn't ex- exactly great news at the time. Because a seventh round pick was out playing in training camp. Yeah, he let's let's make this clear. He wasn't saying that Brock Purdy was going to be this great quarterback. No. He was saying he was the best out of the three they had yes. at that point. Yes, good point. Good good clarification right there. And then they asked him, Well, how did you know to bet the future of the franchise on Brock Purdy? As glorious as the end of his rookie season was, he wasn't a starter until December. You know, was the sample size big enough? And he said, well, we knew because everything he was doing in the games, he'd been doing in practice every single day. And when it translated seamlessly from practice to the game, that's when we knew, that's when they parted ways with Jimmy Garoppolo and then eventually uh, Trey Lance. What happens to Trey Lance? Dallas Cowboys. No, I know where he is, but what happens to him? He ain't playing in Dallas. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if the Cowboys decide not to give Dak Prescott an extension? And I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's didn't uh, didn't the talking head shows the day after Dallas was ousted from the playoffs? Didn't they have their highest ratings in like several years because it was all Dallas Cowboys talk? So based on that return on investment. Um, guess what? If the Dak Prescott thing blows up in the offseason, get ready for wall-to-wall nonstop coverage. It's coming from all the uh, platforms. Quick question yeah. as somebody who's from Dallas there. 
isn't it always wall to wall Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> like, oh, oh, is there something different I here didn't that wanna, I'm missing? I didn't want to burst his bubble. I know, I understand. Only when the Lakers and LeBron get in the way. That's when it ceases to be. Okay. All right, so there you go. Any souvenirs you brought home for Darren, uh, Danny, from or- Orlando? Anything? Did you bring him anything? No, I did not. No. I did not really venture out around Orlando. It's, it's Orlando. Yeah, it's Orlando, Paul. Do you guys want anything from Vegas? Oh, there you go. I just want the best anecdotes oh, you can give on, us, Darren. Danny. But I want real anecdotes, <laughs> not this sanitized yeah. going to bed at 10 stuff. Danny, I hate to say it, you're not going to live up to the plans that uh, Roy Jetstream Green has in store because he told us in the Red Sea report that he's heading out for the weekend with Charles Barkley. Oh, dear. Oh. Nobody does Vegas like Charles Barkley. Yeah, I would imagine Nobody that. Nobody does anything like Charles Barkley. <laughs> That's right. But he's especially a made man. That's true. I, so, yeah, I get it. So my Super Bowl weekend, I will live vicariously through Charles Barkley and Roy Jetstream Green. And to a lesser degree, Danny, whatever she has planned. Way lesser degree. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.